What would you do if tomorrow morning you woke up to discover that because of some great catastrophe, the government had collapsed so that there were no functioning laws, police, or courts? Episode number 90. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. Okay, so the government has collapsed. There's no laws. This is like your favorite question of all time. This is this chaos this is moment. The, this the is the zombie, zombie apocalypse. Moment. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. now it's happening. So what, See, would, what would you do? I love this. Because, I love this topic because now I understand the deeper draw of the zombie apocalypse. Oh, why I want it to happen. <laughs> well, I yeah, I get the appeal now. It's like you want to know what what is the answer to this question of the social contract. Well, I want to know that answer, oh, okay. but also um, you just want to along the kill of zombies, the, also maybe kill zombies and also uh, have no government. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. It's, it's, it. There's a lot of appealing appealing things. Absolutely. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so from your point of view, so I guess you know, we're looking at this question and this idea about the sort of social contract and, um, and whether it's a good thing, a bad thing, how does it what help does it us to like, it? Yeah. What does it look like, that kind of thing? Um, and it's, I guess what we're starting at, we were starting at Hobbes, weren't we? So yeah. from a point of view, he was saying that um, if we go back to basics, so there was no laws and that sort of thing, and what's the natural state of man? And from his point of view, it would be chaotic, uh, every man for him and woman for himself. So you, you couldn't live in any kind of peace, can't prosper, you can't do anything because... Um, there's a war, he says there's a war of all against all, is that yeah, the that's thing? It. Yeah, yeah. The, a war all against all, which we see, and, and we're probably all reference. Um, the Walking Dead quite a lot, I think, in this podcast, because it's a nice contemporary pop culture reference. Um, if you haven't seen it, then you might not get it, but a lot of people are seen, or at least are aware of it. Um, or does any zombie movie where we've had the zombie apocalypse, or any apocalyptic type movie, actually, well, for that matter. Another um, thing referenced the TV show Lost. Yes, which yeah. is another. So yeah, anyway. Yeah, so any of those, any, yeah. any. Uh, so you know, going back to that sort of state, man's natural state, or the natural laws, a law of nature. What will we revert to? And from a Hobbesian point of view, it's a place of Hobbes is like Lord of the Flies. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, yeah. it's all chaos. It's like every person for themselves, and you can't have a thriving society in that space. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where that that is, and I think I have a tendency to agree with that. <laughs> and this actually kind of ties back into our conversation yet last week about the utopias, which is why I don't think we can have a utopia for this yeah. very thing. Strip away any sort of rules and things like that in man's basic nature. Yeah. So you're gonna teach me a bit about philosophy right now. Oh, so, no. I, well, I'm, I'm like Socrates. The only thing that I know is that I don't know anything. <laughs> That's about all I so can teach. So Thomas Hobbes is basically start... He's the one that sort of kicks off the philosophical conversation about social contract, right? Yes, and he's sort of Leviathan, I think it was in. He says that the state of man is sort of selfish and we're always going to want to just take 
for ourselves whatever and as much as we can get. Yeah. And therefore, we need to enter into a social contract with people so that there can be any kind of peace because otherwise we'd all just be killing each other yeah. or stealing from each other or whatever. Or, yeah, t- uh, you know, I'm taking what you have, you're trying to take what I have. I mean, one of the quotes from um, the very... Um, start of in, in Leviathan he wrote this he says no place there would be no place for industry because uh, the fruit thereof is uncertain and consequently no culture of the earth no navigation nor uh, use of commodities that may be imported by sea no um, buildings no instruments of moving right, basically there'll be we won't have of, anything yeah. right because all of these things require teamwork and people working together yeah and working okay. together and yeah. and 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 you know yeah yeah So he basically then says the social contract... And and can I just say, because I I know I I may have... When we're thinking about utopia, I say man's basically bad. I think from Hobbes' point of view, it is he wasn't saying that people are bad. Um, He was just saying that the the conditions for human life in terms of how we know it would be in that raw state of person every person for every person offer or I think he does sort of say that the the natural state though is is one is in a state of insecurity is mm. it an environment of insecurity our basic we revert to a basic selfish nature yeah yeah um, and so then anytime you have people they're going to come together and and create a social contract which is and and before you go yeah. go to that, but there's these these four concepts of why he thinks that this is going to happen, why the state of nature would be intolerable. Basically, he's saying that um, that the that there's a so he says first there's this fact of equality of need. So each of us needs the same basic things in order to survive. So food, clothing, shelter, um, and although we may differ in some of our needs, um, we have this essential need to have those things, and then. Put on to top of that, or on top of that, is this fact of scarcity. Um, so we're not, we wouldn't be living in the Garden of Eden, Eden where you have the, this abundance, so there's this scarcity. So mm-hmm. you start to create this condition where I need food, you need food, it's scarce, and now we almost have a sort of a competition for that aspect. Um, and if there, it, if there are not enough essential goods to go around, then the question is who will get them? And then I guess that's where the sort of chaos kind of starts to assume, uh, start to happen. Um, and then it's, it's, then you might be into that sort of space of, you know, might makes right or strength. So you have the strength to right. take your carrots from you or your right. that rabbit you just killed and I, and I can come and take it. Yeah, and yeah, there's yeah. no consequences for yeah. me anyway, unless you get a lot of other people to come and take the rabbit back type thing. Well, then I would need a lot of other people working under social contract, wouldn't I? Oh, yes. Well, yeah, yeah that's when this is then the social so, contract so, starts kicking in. So he says that it's needed to protect people because our, because our nature is dangerous. We need something to control this selfish human nature. And so we need social contracts. So we all need to come together and create a set of norms and rules and laws that everyone agrees to abide by. And 
see, this is where I think you can't be 100% on a Hobbesian fan because then he's like, put all the, we need a strong authoritarian government. Well, I'm not a Hobbesian fan. I just believe that the natural state of man, that that's what happened. I suppose it isn't Locke kind of opposite to that necessarily in terms of our basic nature. So I, I agree on the Hobbes idea that take away all these laws and then, you know, it's every person... For themselves, type mm-hmm, thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, so so the thing about that that was really interesting for me about the social contract. I mean, I, I sort of vaguely remember all this stuff from school. Yeah, yeah. But um, I liked that article that you sent about the sort of Walking Dead and mm. the and how it sort of applies even on, you know sort of distrata of society. So he had that example of um, saving people's seats. And if you're an adult and you get up from the TV... Yeah. (laughs) If you get up from the TV, you know, to go to the toilet or get a drink or something, you're going to assume that your seat will be saved for you. And even if you have a pretty good seat, no one's going to suddenly, like, jump in your seat and steal it. Whereas if you're a teenage guy, he says, you have to call it before you get up. Otherwise, it's totally fair game. And that in this way, that was a good example to sort of show how it's not just about government. It's about groups of people agreeing on certain, what the, what the rules yeah, of the game the rules, are, yeah, basically. Yeah, what the rules of the game. So social, social living, I think, uh, I picked up from... Um, and I mean, gosh, we essay. can all think if we've ever lived like with, in a shared house with people. Yeah. That that becomes like who's doing what, who's taking out the trash, who's washing up the dishes, how is all this working? You sort of have to come together, and or else it goes back into chaos, and well, yeah, one person you, you kind of have to figure out work. in that sort of yeah, social kind of space where what are the parameters, what are the rules, what are the, and that's an interesting one. I think in if you ever went to university and stayed in, in dorms, or if you you know if you even if you go and stay in a sort of youth hostel, where you get a bunch of people together from different cultures and backgrounds and upbringings, throw them all in a, a living space together. Because people have different social norms. So I know we're kind of going, going, the strata, going yeah. up the strata here in terms of social contract, social norms, but I think it's a microcosm of it, isn't it? So you get a bunch of people in a dorm from different backgrounds um, and they have to live together. And, but, but because they have different social norms, then you've got to figure out what That's are the, the social rules here with this group. Yeah. Um, and all the tensions that And the dorm's a great example because most people are living on their own for the first time in that situation. Mm. So it's well, almost like... I think like of all the conflicts that, like, Brittany has had some, you know, conflicts in some of her situations because, you know, she's used to a certain way then others didn't have a, a way and then it creates tension in the house and, yep. you know, you get all of that sort of stuff starting to, um, starting to go on. Now... And I might jump all, all around, but you can rein me back in. So some of the problems that I have with the social contract is one of the criticisms of the social contract um, historically as well. And that is that the social contract is a fiction. So it's just this is just a one elaborate thought experiment of Hobbes, um, as in that this would be the basic nature of man but we don't know that we haven't had that spot this hasn't happened it's not a historical event that says 
we were living like this and then we got together and we decided to have this social contract and draw it up. Um, and then partly then on that, since it never happened and we're basing things off of this sort of social contract, then who made up the rules? Yeah. When was the last time you know, we went through all the rules that are part of this social contract and do I still agree with it and can I opt in or opt out? So, you know, we don't, that doesn't happen, that doesn't take place. Yeah, totally. And some good examples, and I know this, we, we, we don't usually talk a lot of politics necessarily, but, um, you know, you got the question of when do you, civil disobedience. So we think about, because we've done some stuff with uh, Thoreau, and he's written a nice piece on civil disobedience, uh, Martha Luther King, Gandhi. Yeah. Um, so when is it okay to break the, rules. break the rules and to break this sort of social contract. And I found this this one aspect when they were talking about civil disobedience and there's a, I can't remember his, his name, we can look it up, um, a high-powered New York lawyer um, was in support of the civil rights, but he didn't agree with um, Martin Luther King preaching the sort of civil disobedience about disobeying the laws that mm-hmm. on there. Because from that point of view, and I think this is, other people's point of view that says that, you know, we have it. If you start to pick and choose when you can break them, then the whole thing collapses. The counter-argument to that, though, is, well, what if you're part of the social contract, but you're a disadvantage to a wide degree and a large degree, and therefore the contract's null and void for you because you're not benefiting from the social contract. So therefore you then have a almost a duty or a right yeah. to break. Well, I think that was sort of, if we go back in the story of mm. the social contract to the beginning, so you think, what is the state of like pre-social contract? Where does the social contract come from? Why do we have a need to make laws? Um, then yeah, you think, everyone is sort of theoretically defining the state of nature. So you had Thomas Hobbes saying the state of nature is basic chaos and war of all with all. Hmm. And then John Locke sort of says, what does he say? He says that it's sort of fine because um, even when there isn't government, there's not chaos because he believes that humans are essentially rational or generally rational and that they have an intuitive, innate understanding of the three natural rights, which are the right, everyone has a right to life, everyone has a right to be free, and everyone has a right to property or their own stuff, basically. And because we sort of, you know, I suppose what he's saying is that if you're, if you've picked an apple off a tree and you're eating it or you've hunted a rabbit, there's sort of a natural understanding that that's yours by right. But what if and, the tree is on someone else's well, land? <laughs> I, 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 but, but this is, yeah. I suppose this is a thing of like, before, I, I think property doesn't mean like you own land, it means like you own stuff. I've taken it, both, or own stuff. Or yeah. Even if so, I've taken this, well, like we've done, this patch of space where I've decided to put up my teepee, or my tent, or my right. thing. I know, it breaks down. This is my, this no, is no, my no, sort no, of thing, a, yeah, is yeah. that, there is, for me, I think about that and I try and take it back to 
is there ever a state of nature that I can, that, that has no social contract in it? Mm. And I just think as soon as you have two people, as soon as you have, you know, a husband and wife, or you have a family, you have a social contract. Because well, not, as soon not as necessarily, do you? Uh, you have a condition where you two are together, but that doesn't mean that you have a contract that's so basically from the social contract theory is that, you know, you'll get some benefit from it, but you will have to give up some things, but you get some benefit from it. I think in the case where you, what you were just sort of describing there, if we decide that we want to work together, then we probably start to. But if we go from like Hobbes, which is all for all, so I'm not actually going to help you, even though we're but together. I don't, in I don't, but see, the thing is, for me, that's like thinking about cats in the wild. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like the tiger or the snow leopard or something that are really solitary, naturally solitary beings. Like humans are not. Humans have never existed individually fending for themselves. They've always existed in small communities because actually we are really easily hurt. You know, so, so, so part of our condition, or part of our being in the game, is we can't. We're a herd animal, or, I, or social, I think. social I think, creature. I think that we're naturally exactly. social creatures. Exactly, and I think if you think follow evolution, we evolved in a state of socialing. Socialing. What is that word? You know, we evolved in in a state of being a social creature. We, there was never a state in which we were all for all individuals ever. So, so I guess for me, I'm sort of like, well, it's it, like you said, it's sort of an interesting thought experiment. So, would you consider? And it doesn't mean that it's a, not a family unit. Is that a social contract? So, I'm just thinking the, in your case. So, before we had tribes, just say the first man was. I don't even. Know, I mean, we, there's so many different questions we can ask here. So, did we evolve, and all of a sudden there was just men walking around, so, or were so, we made? I'm just thinking. You know, if, even if even if there wasn't marriage and life partners or anything like that in order for women to have babies and take care of babies as our species we had to be together there's never been a situation in which a woman has been on her own having a baby and surviving in the wild well no okay that's what i'm saying so i'm saying if you if we were solitary creatures but biologically you go just like any other animal you go and you find a female and you right. mate and then does those two then form a unit? But that doesn't mean that I have to form a unit with that guy that doesn't have a mate, or those two that have a mate over there. It's totally just totally not. Yeah, yeah. But unit. there's still some element of social contract for hmm. me in that. I feel like what it, would you be know, the social contract in that? What, the social contract is apart you know, from we just I came together. I help you cook the food that you bring and you protect me and we raise our children together to the mutual benefit because some would say biologically that's not how it is so biologically it is man comes mates women's biology is to try to keep the mate to stay around to protect but the young but that's what I'm saying even if it wasn't that men stayed together yeah. women would have stayed together so a man might have come in so you're and saying that the gone. women would have kind of Bandit you would have together. to. You would have to. There's no, there's no like surprise for me that some of this stuff comes from like all men. I mean, I know yeah. at this time women philosophers were, uh, you know, few yeah. and far between. But but so you don't think that women would never have been able to be pregnant, have had babies, raise those children. I mean, this is where our species comes from yeah. through women. So 
our species would not have survived if this had been wholly true. It might be wholly true for men, but it can never well, be wholly true for a species. I don't think it's wholly true necessarily for men. So I guess what I'm, I'm thinking as a unit, so, so again, I guess what you're saying here is that if the man and the woman comes together and biology makes him stay, because that's just how the biology works, so now that's a unit and we've got three, so I'm responsible for protecting you. Yeah. And then going out and hunting while you're taking care of the kid. Yeah. But I have no social contract with any other person except for you at that point. Yeah. Just to stick around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then some, so some folks from a gene point of view, that Red Queen book I think I've told you about, which says that that wasn't a contract. You didn't have a choice in that. That just you acting out your biological huh. imperative. So we're wired that way. We didn't make a choice to stay in that. that that's, I can't remember the author, but the book's called The Red Queen. But I, but I suppose that's the whole point hmm. that they're making, isn't it? That like we almost don't have a choice but to make social contract because otherwise, like, like Hobbes is saying, it would be to, war on war and we'd never get anywhere. Well, that's if we want to thrive. So we don't... So that's the question. The question, if, if you want to, and I guess this is where Hobbes is getting, if you want to thrive as a society, there's nothing that says that you can have this all for all because it just be, you know, come back down to this might makes right and the yeah. strongest survive and that kind of thing would go on. Mm-hmm. But in order to thrive to get yeah. to the kind of things that we have now right, being able right. to come here and make this podcast and those sorts of things you have to feel reasonably safe yeah i mean if we were in another part of the world we probably w- wouldn't be making this podcast because we wouldn't necessarily feel safe enough to come out and to go because the rules of law have broken down so i'm in a war zone there is no yeah. rule of law or government so now the safety is not there. You're not safe. You don't. You don't yeah, know what yeah. my intentions are. But I think, like in the thought experiment, it's. I think because we're all bound by so- social contract now, the only time in which that social contract completely breaks down is in a time of war. Right. Yeah. So when if a so, government collapses. Right. Yeah. So then, really. But that, but theoretically, in terms of like where these philosophers are coming from, that's not the state of nature necessarily. Like that's not how things used to be and why we created social contract in any circumstance. That's just one chaotic circumstance in which you might want to create a social contract. Yeah. yeah. And how the social contract but helps us to I still thrive. think, like coming from a sort of female perspective on this, I still think... There's the, the idea that there would ever be a man and a woman alone in the wilderness without any ties to anybody else is, is a fiction. I that would have, think that so. would have I, never I, happened. I suspect like the that man, if you look at some of these um, indigenous tribes that are still around. No way, dude. You would have had the, the, the parents of the woman would have been there. Like, where's everybody's family? Like, you know, wide family units. It would have been tribal. They just can go off. So, yes, we've come together and we have a pairing, but that doesn't mean that everybody else has to stick around or we have to have other people around. But we don't I think you always did. I think, I, think? I, just, I just don't. I think I'm not saying that there was never an instance in all of human history in which this happened. I'm saying this is not... I think there must have been. So even if you're saying what you're saying here, there must have been a reason to 
maybe start the first social contract. So if we say to start That's off with... That's what I'm with, saying. There's never been a sur- first social contract. You don't think it, so you think we've no. always even, had... Even apes... Ha- look at Jane Goodall. Yeah. Even apes have social contract with each other. It might be like really primitive in terms of, but they've got packs, they've got, this is our tribe, that's not our tribe, we're going to go on war to that tribe. Mm. And do you know what I mean? There's this sort of collective grooming, there's collective protection of babies. You know, like, that's... So is that, who makes that social contract then? They do. So the, the, I don't know, dude. So in our case, I mean, and this is where you I start mean, this to... Is, this, this is, is where the you start beginning. To get, this is the beginning. But, but so. this is where you start to get into, like, like I think one of the criticism, and I think is a good criticism of the social contract, um, you're not actually... I haven't entered in... If you think of contract, I, yeah, I haven't yeah. entered into a contract. That's right. I think that's I a good criticism. I haven't signed up for this. I haven't signed totally. up for any of these rules, but you're making me abide by those. Yep those those rules <clears throat> and yeah. until such time and here's where maybe your social contract maybe Unless there's a sinister side to it actually if I have enough power and arms and decide I want to have different rules yeah I can change yeah um, that contract and make yeah. my my new terms of those I guess the contract <laughs> yeah no I think that's right I think that that's the other that was a very good point about it's not a contract we didn't like get to a certain stage and go okay do you agree to all these things signed on the dotted line and also if unless it can't be a contract unless there's an opt-out option mm. unless there's well, a possibility well there kind of is an opt-out the opt-out is if you if like i said if you had enough so right now the only reason why you can't opt out is because you can't defend your opt-out position but if you could defend it, you could opt out any time you like. So if you've got enough other people... Yeah. So there's been enough revolutions and things that have gone on where it's like, well, actually, I don't like the establishment. I mean, the American Revolution. But isn't that surely people coming together in a different kind of social contract to work together to overthrow the existing social contract and create a new one? Yeah, but I'm just saying that, that you don't have to abide by the social the contract one. that you have. Yeah. Right. So yes. You, I mean, like we're saying that we've, we've come into it. No one's actually asked us and that there isn't an opt-out clause and I'm just saying there is an opt-out clause if you can gather enough strength and power to back you up when the people who are enforcing the social contract say no that's not how the game goes and you know we're going to go to have a civil war we're going to have a revolution I think you have all those sorts of conditions start to happen when we say well actually do I still benefit from this social contract what's my what's what do I get out of being in this social yeah. contract the one that no longer serves serves me cannot opt out yeah. although others would flip that around and say well when you start picking and choosing then they're all going to collapse anyway because yeah. we're back to the case of well how do you pick that one and over that one and who's to say which of the parts of the social contract can be ignored and which can be yeah. broken shall we take a quick break sure I'll try and absorb everything. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. Our goal for 2018 is to grow our audience, our community of contemplators like you. And we would really appreciate your help with this. 
Now, there's a few things that you as a listener can do that are pretty easy and simple that will really help us out a lot. So if you enjoy the podcast and want it to continue, it would be great if you could share it with a few friends who you think might enjoy listening. Um, going to iTunes and giving us a review so that it boosts us in the algorithms and it can come across other people who might enjoy it. And if you'd like to financially support the podcast, you can go to the contribution section of our website. Thanks, and back to the show. All right, so the social contract, as we're thinking about it here, is about this idea of living in a safe-ish society where I have this reasonable safety um, that I can go about trading, It's all kinds of social norms, things. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so like, yeah, I'm going to buy, you know, some apples from you, social contract being that, you know, you're not going to sell me some bad apples type or thing. Or that there's going to be... What or I really, there's going to be poison in, in those apples. Well, <laughs> uh, the, the other thing I liked about the, the... That part of the social contract is also about what what happens if someone breaks the rules that that has to be incorporated into the social contract so everyone sort of also understands what is a reasonable response to someone who's broken the social contract so well, yeah because you're getting the whole idea about the death penalty so is that a reasonable response right. to have a death penalty for breaking and again I, re- I really liked that um, article that you sent about the walking dead thing because yeah. basically when they were using that example of saving your seat and the different sort of social contracts involved in, mm. do you get your seat saved or do you have to call it or is it just a free-for-all, whatever? Um, if someone calls their seat, like some teenage guy, that's the rules, and you mm. say, I call it, I'm, I'll be right back, and then someone else takes your seat anyway, then What's there's the an understood response? response to that, and, yeah. and the varieties of responses that they gave were like, he's totally broken the code, don't yeah. invite him back, yeah. or whack him on the head, or, you know, slap him on the head, or call him names, or whatever. Or shank him. But and, and you can't stab him. Like, the, in, in yeah. the sort of social contract of that scenario. And, and we sort well, of all Well, the social underst- contract, I think, in that one, in the social contract of... So that, I guess, that's our opening there. So the stabbing bit... Is the biggest social contract in this society here. Stabbing people is not per- permitted. Yeah. yeah. It's against the law. But in the instance with your seat, which is a subset of that, and that's the social norms. Right. So I'm acting out the social contract in that sense, like get out of the seat, that's just... But if they don't, then what's my appropriate response to someone not playing to the social norms? Um and I think you have to have that kind of conversation even with governments, isn't it? So what's yeah. the appropriate response to someone, you know, speeding or someone, yeah. you know, jaywalking or any, you know, so what's the, yeah, what is the appropriate response for breaking a particular yeah. law yeah. Um, in that? And I suppose in that the citizens almost have to agree on that. So what's, what is appropriate and what do we... Because, I mean, if you think about any, well, you could trace probably any sort of the laws and things, they change over time, isn't it? So, I mean, even just more recently, I'm just thinking about, uh, like, marijuana, for instance. Um, you know, being illegal and people are in jail for having, you know, sell it and all that kind of stuff. But now the world's moved on and we're starting to make it legal in certain states under certain conditions and the like. So... 
I mean, I guess that's a, an example of of the social contract evolving, isn't it? Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. But then that causing the question in my head is what what made it, so in that instance, how was it okay last year but not the year before? So what's changed? And then well, all, I suppose lot all, and then all the propaganda that was against. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's now okay. So for me that's that's where my that's where my cynicism about government comes in. Well, <laughs> basically, I think wouldn't it be that sort of if you go John Locke's social contract, yeah, which is really where the American government sort of stems from, like Thomas Jefferson takes from John yeah. Locke, right? So if that's the case, then he's sort of John Locke sort of saying, okay, we need a social contract, and that social contract looks like representative government. Right. So we all have to vote, and that we are all, so the people are sovereign, and the people get to choose what the social contract looks like. So therefore, if we change what we think the social contract should be, then we just vote on it, and yeah. then that changes. Okay, so it's uh, by voting and uh, the majority kind of sets that, what the social contract is going to be. Yeah. And I guess when we're saying social contracts, so it doesn't sound really confusing, but essentially we're talking about the laws, are we? the laws of, of the land, um, the rule of law. So the, the thing that, it's like, it's interesting to look at these three. So ta- you have Thomas Hobbes, then John Locke, and then Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and who all sort of have their different take on the social contract and and stemming from like what they think man's essential nature is and therefore what the social contract needs to look like but I think as much as I look at Rousseau and I think his romanticization of nature Mm. is something that I it just doesn't really resonate me for all the reasons I said in the first half that you know I just don't think that ever that state ever really existed but he's basically saying government and social contract can corrupt people so our our nature is essentially good but we can have a social contract or a government that corrupts that nature Mm. and and also that really our government and our social contract need to always focus on the common good and set aside individual preferences. Well, put that together with, you know, free market capitalism and you're in trouble because they just don't mix. They don't go together. <laughs> it's like water and oil. <laughs> so, you know, I think all, uh, underlying all of... I, what I think is really interesting to me also is that all of these things go back to a story that we tell ourselves about what human nature is like. Like, what what is our government and what is the role of government and what is our social contract as individuals with that greater whole of people that we're, you know, sharing life with. Hmm. And then, yeah. Yeah, there was some... And I know we have it. I don't know if we mentioned sort of the sort of moral laws and a lot of what... I've taken from today was a, um, a book called the philosophy um, called Elements of Moral Philosophy, which was one of my texts from West Point. Um, and in this section on the sort of social contract 
there's this idea about um, yeah the mor morals and moral law, and I think we were mentioning during the break that if we're thinking of the social contract, it comes together so that we can combat fear. So we're doing it so that you can feel safe um, from being attacked, from people stealing from you, from people mm -hmm. doing these things that disadvantage you. So that should be the extent of the social contract, but it's not because there's more laws. Um, so they make a point here that says, okay, well, at, so yeah, where's the boundary? So is so if I start making laws against, say, prostitution or prohibition back in the days, we think of the alcohol or before mar marijuana was legal, have I now pushed the boundaries of what law should do? What law should do? Because if it's to consent an adult engaging in prostitution, then what business is it of mine or the government's, for that matter? I suppose the there's two things. Prostitution is a bit of a different case, I think, in terms of morality than drugs, because it's part of the social contract to protect people who are not in a position of power. But that, that was not the condition. The condition is to consent in the adults. Right, but yeah. that's not how prostitution works. You know, know. So, so prostitution largely works in the sense that you have women who have been severely disadvantaged and are sort of... And not all cases. I'm going to say because not all cases. The ones that I know, I know some personally, and they're just fine. They're not disadvantaged or. I, I suppose I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying like yeah. there should be a yeah. a law or not. But I'm sort of. I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah. in terms of what's the, what would, the argument be for making a law, and it would be supposedly to protect women who, even though they are consenting and adults, men. don't say women. Yeah, women. and and men who are consenting adults but aren't in a position of power and feel... But that's where the slippery slope starts to happen, yeah, isn't yeah. it? If no, you no, start no, to I, say, I, well, I can see where you're coming from, yeah. You're starting to step in to say, well, I'll do it in this case, but I won't do it in that case. And, yeah. Because um, how do we justify poverty and things like that? Then we don't do anything totally. about those. Totally. Um, so that's where it becomes, you know, are we actually... You know, whose self-interest is that protecting, yeah. really? And yeah. where does that sort of stem from? Where does that come from? And is that pushing the boundaries of the social contract? Which is the larger question, is, is that pushing that boundary no, of the sort I, yeah, of yeah, social yeah. contract? Um, likewise, there's another one. And, and this, this, you'll see this thought experiment come up in a number of different ways. But again, what we're saying about killing other people is, would be wrong and bad in the social contract. And one of the scenarios here is that, you know, you're, again, you're in this position where um, you have to choose between your own death and the death of five other people. And then which choice do you make in that social contract is I can't take other lives, but in not taking these other lives, I lose mine. So where does that happen? I don't, I don't, there's no right answer to that. So social contract, I guess, in this instance, it would be, well, yeah, you maybe it should it should just be your own life that you take sacrifice yours for the five that you're kind of saving i don't know but it's it's one of those i suppose it's looking at well yeah what is the extent of this social contract thing and then yeah that, i think back that's to that the bigger thing question it's like of, how big does it go and when can you when can you break it that's probably the question i'm actually really trying to ask is when 
when when is it permissible to break the, the law but I think those are those, or the rules yeah but that's that's also part of social contract not always clearly just I suppose why we have court cases and stuff because it's not always clear who's at fault or how much or whatever but I think it's sort of generally understood that you can't take someone else's life except in instances in which your own is threatened. We can you never know, take so, our life. Well, so if, yeah, but people who, who are being attacked and who, like, if someone was attacking me and I ended up stabbing them and they were trying to kill me, I would not go to jail for, for killing someone. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that we... That that's part of... I think it depends on what, what country you're in. Well, true. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's the, these things are sort of... So, so, what I'm saying is that I guess some exceptions are built in. Not always, but, you know. Yeah. And, and I guess where I get kind of been out of joint a little bit is that when you were just talking about protecting people in, who don't have power, I think it's almost the opposite. It almost feels like the rules are in place to protect people who are in power, who have power, who have privilege, don't want to lose that privilege. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, even I think of, um, this, you know, we had the riots here a few years back, mm -hmm. um, and the penalties for sending something on social media saying where, where we're going to be next, those, the hammer came down harder on those people than the people who were breaking into stores and stealing stuff. Right. And I think it's a, and I, you know, and I kid it, it's a scary thing for a government. You see how quickly the government can lose control in that sort of yeah. situation because it's, you know, there's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not, that, you know, you only have so many soldiers and policemen and sort of thing. So it's almost a bigger threat to society was people communicating and organizing um, than it was people looting and, and stealing. So yeah, so there's, do these laws protect those that have the privilege and the power and the rest of us just, you know, we're just here, for, you know, yeah, we're just done on to, I guess, I don't know. Yeah. It sometimes feels that way. It sometimes feels that way when you look at stuff that's gone on in the States and what people in power can get away with that if it was someone that didn't have any power, yeah. the hammer would just come down on them really hard. They can't, there's yeah, yeah. nothing they like can do. Like it's part of the social contract that we pay our taxes, unless yeah. you're really wealthy yeah, and yeah, exactly. go through so the loophole. You can, you know, if you have enough money and influence, then the social contract doesn't necessarily apply to you, mm -hmm. um, which isn't fair to us guys who have less power <laughs> yeah. and privilege. Yeah. Um, yes, okay. Um, you were going to, I think I asked you a question about Buddha nature. So from Buddha's point of view, so we had, so we had a view of what the basic nature of, of, of the state of man would be minus laws. Is there a Buddhist perspective on the basic state of I'm trying to look up stuff and it, it's only stuff that I'm like pulling out of scraps from my brain. Hmm. But I liked looking at, there was this really good YouTube video that kind of broke, broke down the, the different theories of social contract that I'll put up in the show notes. Um, but I liked looking at the comparison because I think it's a little bit different again 
what Buddhist perspective might be. So if you have John or um, Thomas Hobbes saying that essentially you take away all the laws and we revert back to an essentially selfish, greedy, snatching nature. You have John Locke saying we're rational. (laughs) That makes me laugh. What does the rational bit? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, And you have Rousseau that says we have an essentially good and compassionate nature and left in nature, we would be in the idyllic, peaceful land, whereas, you know, when we want to enter into social contract, although we do that, it corrupts um, us. Corrupts us. Yeah. The Dalai Lama is, is sort of commonly said that his interpretation of human nature is that it is essentially, at its core, compassionate and... Um, like social, yeah. And his evidence for that, which is some, you know stuff that I hinted at before, is that in order for our species to survive, like you have two kids, you know what it takes for to raise a human and get it to a point where it can take care of itself. It's a lot, a long, 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 long time, and it takes more than one person, mm. and it takes a lot of love and care because babies are really annoying <laughs> and, but on that on that point though do, don't we condition babies to be in the contract as in their nature isn't necessarily compassionate and one so, for all so, is it no, until no, no. you so, say no you're supposed to share you're supposed to right, so right, we right. impose no, all and those I completely, rules I completely agree in the sense that watching my two kids hmm. I do not have kids who just naturally... They, they are very egocentric, completely. Well, I think all kids are. Not, not, I think some kids are a little bit more... Some kids have a natural instinct that if they see someone fall over, they go and help, and other kids just don't. And you're, So you're quite right that a lot of this mm. stuff needs to be... Like, empathy sometimes needs to be taught. Um, there are studies that have shown that... In certain conditions, like if you have kids in a room and um, there's a researcher who's struggling to open the door and pretends that they have too much to carry, the majority of kids, most kids, will go help open the door. Yeah, but how old are the kids? I don't know. I can't remember. Because if they're of any age to be able to open the door, they would have been conditioned by their parents that you help out people who may be struggling so they wouldn't yeah, they wouldn't know that right, on their own to do right. that but then yeah. the, the question i suppose is what compels us to do that is because we know that we're better off in these in this kind yeah. of social contract i think in the case of the kids it's because that's how they've been conditioned because you can just right, as right, well right. condition some of those so they're that's what i'm saying i don't like, know why are we conditioning people to help other people yeah so why are the adults doing it because yeah, someone why? did it to you and right, then but, someone but, did it to them. But because also, we recognize that, like social contract theory says, if you enter into this kind of social contract with others, like I help you, then we're all better off. So it's sort of that enlightened I don't know if I don't, mind. I'm just wondering if it's a question of are we all better off, or is that just how it, that is that way because that's how it, it has been. Not necessarily I mean, that I'll be better of people, off. There's plenty of 
people who get to adulthood and just shove in front of others. Well, yeah, but maybe somewhere back in here, I was never conditioned that shoving in front of others were yeah was bad. I mean, I think that there's or no, we, there's no sort of answer to this question. Mm. I think the other thing uh, that so why did you raise your kids the way you raise your kids? Because you could have aban- yeah could have abandoned them. You could have given them up for adoption. You could have done any number of things. Yeah. What? So what's the, what's <laughs> I'm the, asking you, why did you do what you've done? Why did you decide you're going to keep them and raise them the way you're raising them? Well, there's a thousand answers to that question, isn't there? That I, I, that I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I like, know. you know, that could be I'm genetically programmed through, mil, you know, thousands and thousands of years yeah. of evolution to yeah. feel certain feelings towards my children that make me compelled to raise them. But you're raising them in a certain way, though, aren't you? Yeah. I'm assuming. Right. So what's... Where is that coming from? Well, because I, I do... See. And then from their point of view, yeah. do they have free will or they just have to take what you're giving them for now in their formative years? So whatever yeah. they're picking up now is... We yeah. haven't asked them if they want to be a part of this social contract. That's true. No, it's totally. Like, you know I'm with you. you know kid, you're in the house. This is how these rules yeah, yeah. work and this is how you're going to sure. be raised. Into, for sure. And they haven't been given the, no, a no. choice. That's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have a choice. It's a, um, it's a, <laughs> this is how it is. What, what is the term for, um, beneficent monarchy or that's whatever? Yeah, benevol- benevolent, a, a benevolent dictatorship. dictatorship. That's, right, that's uh, what I'm looking for. Uh, um, I think the Buddhists would also, I mean, I think when you're talking about Thomas Hobbes, John Locke, they're all talking about human nature and the world as we, experience it and not questioning our experience of it whereas when you're talking about buddhist philosophy you're talking about a spiritual philosophy that that is taking into consideration and so part of not, a picture does that it not is, exist outside of that though so if you're i get it's a philosophy in, in that aspect but that informs the perspective so for instance like you know, while but they're still people, so from a human point yeah, of view, yeah, yeah, totally. How does, how but does but, but what I'm saying is, there's kickbacks that yeah. you can't include in Hobbes and Locke's version of the social contract, like karma. Hmm. So a Buddhist would say that they're part of the consequence of you going against a kind of moral social contract with hmm. another would be a karmic consequence. That you can't, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, so there's parts of the social contract that, that can, that are included, I think, in a Buddhist perspective. That I you, guess I, I mean, yeah, it's like multiple lives. I was, was thinking of was probably more along the lines of we probably we just gave three Western philosophers. So maybe the question I should have asked is from an Eastern point of view. What, there's what, no such thing as an Eastern point of view. Huh? There's no such thing as an Eastern point of view. What do you mean there isn't? Well, I mean, there's like, there's you know... There's an East, there's a West, there's Western philosophy, Eastern philosophy. <laughs> Only because Western people have made it that yeah, way. Yeah, we've made it that way. So, all right, how, would, think, you, how would you want me to phrase that? All three of those people well, that, no, you've, all I'm saying that is, you've named on there. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, all I'm saying is that the, the, the two comments that I would bring hmm. in my understanding of what a Buddhist perspective would be on social contract is that the perspective is that we are essentially compassionate and good underneath, but that we are um, all also living in 
maya, which is an illusion mm. of distinction between ourselves and others. So we did that whole episode on um, duality. And in this perspective, we, because we are living and our experience is actually a misinterpretation of life sometimes, then it doesn't mean that we all can't come back to an essential goodness that's within all of us, but we could always, we, you know, that we all also have a tendency towards selfishness or, and that the, you know, it's like that story um, of the two wolves, like what do you feed? Mm. And, and people who have been fed compassion and love and all that kind of stuff will, you know, nurture that side of themselves and then that's what will come back out and people who have you know been fearful and mistreated what will you know so that I mean that would be mm. I suppose what the Buddhist perspective would be yeah and I think I probably asked a question and of wrong. course then yeah. you know unfortunately thinking, Tibet gets taken over by China and might yeah. make right in that scenario because well, I was thinking because you could ask that in the way to ask a question then you could say well, what would be a Christian's point of view of that so I guess what I was probably more getting at is yeah I mean that's right because the Christian perspective would be very different wouldn't it it would be like man's essentially a sinner sinner. yeah and then Mm -hmm. yeah so then you gotta do all these things to atone for your sort of sins I just think it is sort of interesting that it all just sort of hinges on what you think about people what the social contract looks like yeah absolutely and you know do we have it do we need a social contract or is it if we go back to nature get rid of all this kind of stuff that we'd all just be you know like the hippies had it you know sex drugs and rock and roll baby we just be chilling out in the field and i think well what's wrong with that or you know some of the like the tribes that in that series that that i let you um some of them live quite close to nature and nice i'm watching the um last kingdom which is uh on Netflix and it's mm. about the uh, Viking invasions of Northern England and all of all of what was then what was now England but was then like Mercia and Wessex and yeah. blah blah and uh, there's a really interesting argument between the Vikings who say you make it and this um, King Alfred who's sort of king of Wessex who's trying to be king of England so the Viking guy says you you get wealth by taking it yeah, by man. conquering that's what I'm and, talking about. and taking it. And King Alfred says, no, that's how wealth is acquired. That's not how wealth is made. Wealth is made by um, agriculture and trade. And you have to have peace to have agriculture that's and trade. Well, <laughs> that's so, the slow road. That's the slow road, man. So, but I thought that was a really interesting moment of the yeah. two kind of yeah, perspectives yeah. On, yeah. on what that... I'd yeah. be on the take, the, the slow I road making, man. Come on. <laughs> Forget all that. All right. Before you get me all started and riled up about Mike making right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, never mind. I better stop. Let's stop. I'm going to stop. Stop with the might make right. Yes. Well, you know, I mean, okay, you're going to have the might makes right, but you're sitting across from the table of a person who is going to, like that, that female perspective of we had to stick together because our might doesn't make right. You know, women are never going to like overpower man. And so there's a natural 
you know, and you have to have help to have babies and to raise babies. So whether that comes from other women in your community Hmm. or the man who you've made a contract with that, you know, and I think the thing is the sort of, I I suppose my last like point (laughs) on, on this is that again, it's no surprise. I haven't seen this feminine, feminine, Femin- well, it's no surprise. Feminist side of you come out as so strongly before this well, women stuff. Get out of here with around. that. <laughs> Basically, it's no surprise to me <laughs> that Hobbes, Locke, and Rousseau have these perspectives yeah. because they haven't had a baby. Yeah, they've made a baby though. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> they've made one. But but the the physical just the physicality of yeah. what happens to a woman when she's pregnant. You can't run, you can't fight, you can't protect yourself. That's why biologically you are mating with someone that looks like they could protect you well, and your exactly. offspring. That's fine, but then you have social contract and you have two people working together and a necessity for two people working together. Whereas I feel like women naturally, listen, instinctually no, no, feel like they no. need to do that and men are have you the testosterone, go off on your own the power through. And the, the, the chimps. And in actuality, that the woman sleeps around because no male ch- chimp will take care, will take care, won't won't take care of an offspring that's not it, its. So they sleep around, so, so that no one conf- knows. Confused, so they don't know who's So they don't who's. kill the babies. Yeah. yeah. So that's how they survive. That, right, but they're also exists. yeah, but they're also sort of. But the biology is the, yeah, but there's the biology that says. That, so I'm pro- biologically programmed to take care of what I've produced necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, maybe we should do an episode on that whole sort of gene. So, it's, you know, are we just a product of our genes, basically? That that sounds I mean, like that, a topic of our Yeah, but that's like, that's neither here nor there yeah. in terms of whether a social contract has to be made. And I think for yeah. women, there's a reality of women being more kind of sort of working together creatures because that that's necessary. Well, I think it's necessary from a man's point of view as well. If you, if you want to go social contracts... But I don't think a woman would ever land on the side of might makes right. So there's part of like well, an embodiment that allows that opinion to happen. Do you see what I mean? No, because I think women are just the same as men and might would make right, but now we're because then we'd have to define what might is. You think it might's just brute strength, and that might not always be the case in that instance. All right. And the reason why I'm saying like with the the men in the social contract, hunting is so you know yeah that whole sort of hunting, fighting, war, those are all very communal totally. type things. Yeah. Um, to which you know. Yeah, and yeah, to yeah. a degree of, okay, well, I need to have a nice trust and a bond that you're doing your part of this thing. Totally, you know? totally, totally. Um, but strip all that stuff away where we need to have, and I guess it's maybe coming back to be so here, if we strip away um, the need to feel like... So, for instance, if there was no need, as in you didn't feel threatened, mm-hmm. so you come, you have your baby... Yeah. Um, the dudes, you know, nature says to stick around, you have the baby, and then he's off. But you are fine because actually there's no threat. So would you still need to bond with There's other always people? threats of animals and that kind of thing. There's always threat. There's no, there's no situation in nature in which a woman on her own with a small baby well, if you thought, would not... Well, if you thought experiment, you can have a place where there's no threat. 
You'll be back okay. in the Garden of Eden. This is, this is a, oh, if we're back in the Garden of Eden, Clay, yes. then I will give you that. That's fine. If we're thoughts experimenting, you can create any condition you want to create. So all the animals are nice. Okay. And they don't okay. want to attack human beings. Okay. <laughs> oh, you know, we didn't cover, but we don't need to. Cause, um, but um, one of the things in the social contract is that animals fall in it. As in, there was a point in our history where they didn't. As in, we we experiment on them because it doesn't matter because right, they're not true. humans. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the social contract only applies to humans right. um, and not animals. But then people huh. point out that, well, it's just you know, being cruel is just not nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But technically, the social they don't fall in the social contract basically. Yeah, right, right. They're not right. human. All right. Let us, Off uh, to more coffee in our Garden of Eden yeah. make-believe world. And our little make-believe world. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We really enjoyed bringing you the episodes over the past two years. We have a goal for 2018 to grow our audience, our, our community of contemplators like you, and we'd really appreciate your help. In fact, there's a few things that you can do quite easily that would really help us out a lot. One is by sharing it with other friends that you think might enjoy listening to the show. Another is going to iTunes and giving us a review, which will boost the algorithm and put the show out in front of more eyes that um, can, people can come across it. And you can financially support the show by going to the contribution section of our website. Thanks a lot.